Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. How's everybody doing tonight? This morning? You all know what I meant. Feels like a concert in here is the problem. Well, for all of you who do not know me, I am Eric Colby Patterson the first. And I am the minister of students here at Palmetto, Georgia, and Palmetto Baptist Church. I couldn't be happier uh, to be here. Uh, As I always say, it feels good to have my face in the place, but it feels good to be preaching in this place today. Um, I'm so happy. Over there sitting is my lovely wife, Melina Patterson. Everybody look over there and make her feel welcome or awkward or whatever. It's fine. Either way, she's okay. My son, Emery. I'm sure you all met. He's probably in the nursery putting a smile on somebody's face by learning to walk, or he's just wreaking havoc in the whole institution. So either way, he's, he's here. <laughs> uh, if you want to see him afterwards, he'll be around for screams and hugs. Um, it is truly my honor and pleasure to grace this pulpit. I do not take it lightly that um, Christ has allowed me to be here to share this gospel of which I am fully persuaded And I must thank Pastor Jimmy in his absence for allowing me to be here and trusting me to preach the word of God to you all today. I really appreciate him for that. And also to Miss Amanda, who's been like a mother to me and Walena. Absolutely phenomenal. Let's give them a hand cap of praise in their absence. We thank you for being great leaders and we love you so much. So for all of you today, we are speaking from a topic called mission-minded, mission-minded. Um, If you can tell, it's on the screens. So there it is. You're welcome. And we'll be coming out of Matthew 28 for all of you who have your Bibles or iPhone devices or Androids, if that's how you want to live your life. No shade. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 18 through 20. I didn't tell you that part. 18 through 20. So nobody flips anymore. That's fine. And Jesus came to them and said, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even until the end of the age. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for this amazing gathering of believers, for this divinely appointed moment. We thank you that we know you created us, and prior to that, you knew this moment was going to happen. I thank you that you will inspire our hearts today to help us to remember why we're still here. We thank you that we will hear from you today. And help me to behave. Get Eric straight. Make me act right. For this is your moment. I ask you to help me be clear and precise and loving and kind. Um, that I maybe your words may hit the deepest parts of us. It's only for you and for your revelation. And as I say with my voice and in the space between the ears, I ask you to do something special, spectacular, wonderful, amazing. For this is your time and your moment, and we thank you for it. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we praise you, and we love you. Amen.
So, with that said, by a show of hands, by a show of hands, who likes college sports? Yes, there you are, Alex. College sports. Now, keep your hands up if you like college sports other than Georgia football. Cool. All right. It's still a few of you. A lot of you died out, but it's okay. I know where I'm at. Um, I love college sports. As you know, I went to a college school, a football school that way. Um, I think you all know. I don't need to say it, but it's in the back of your heads, and I want you to remember it always because I'm so proud. But um, right now, there's this guy in college basketball. You may know him. His name is Zion Williamson. He's, like, integrated all of our social media, ESPN, our whole lives. He's about 6'7", 285 pounds, and he is a behemoth. And he has this amazing vertical leap, and he's a true phenomenon. Anybody know who LeBron James is? Most people have touted him as being the next LeBron James, which in my mind is almost ridiculous because LeBron James is by far the second greatest basketball player only to yours truly, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Amen? All right. Just making sure you're with me this morning. But what's interesting about his story is that his parents said from four years old, he picked up a basketball and the lights cut on. And he was on a mission from that day forward. I don't know about you all, but at four years old, I was mainly worried about either the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or the Muppet Babies, if anybody remembers the Muppets. Am I? Am I? Yeah, Muppet Babies. And um, that was what's important to me. That's just what it was. Um, but his parents were on a mission after that. They're college athletes themselves. So they knew it was going to take a whole lot of work, a whole lot of training, and a whole lot of time. But what's interesting about him is his parents said that his biggest, his biggest attribute was his God-given ability. His biggest attribute is his God-given ability. He's just ridiculously athletic. He jumps out of the gym. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's quick. And none of their training says that that is just God doing that sort of work in him. So at my 11 o'clock hour, um, what if I told you that you also had a God-given ability to change the world. You with me? All right, let's go back to the text. So here we are at the end of Matthew's testimony. Jesus has died, he's been born, he's risen, all that good stuff, Gethsemane has happened, and now he's about to get on the cloud and go get seated at the right hand of the Father. But prior to him leaving, he says one thing to his group of friends of which he spent three years with. He says, go do something for me. Go make disciples and baptize them. So with that, I found two things really interesting. And the first thing is that discipleship usually requires a relationship. Jesus was with the disciples for three years. And he, in his moment, he discipled them. They just thought they were kind of, you know, with Jesus, seeing them do all this other stuff. But with Jesus was really training them in the way that they should go when he's departed. So remember this, discipleship requires relationship. The next thing is that this story and the stories are like, like it, the other commission stories are all at the end of the Bible. I mean, at the end of the book of the Bible. And what's really interesting about that is anybody who ever read anything knows that the Bible, I mean, that the end of the book is usually pretty important, right? Um, an example, I was in high school or college sometimes, depending on what it was, and I didn't finish a book for class. 
the first thing I would do is go to the back of the book and see how it ended. Anybody did that? Show of hands. Be honest, your kids are around here. I'm just playing. I'm not going to judge you. But everybody did it. I know everybody's trying to be great examples for the kids, but, you know, it happens. Um, But what you do is you see what happens at the end, and usually it provides some sort of revelation as to what the climax of the story was. And what I mean to say is that in no way is this the most important part. For me, the book of Matthew, the most important parts are Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection. But, but, I will say that these last three sentences, these last three verses in the end give us a real understanding about the intentions of God, all right? And I want you to be really clear and really be listening to me when I say this. The intentions of God there is that God wants everybody on this planet to know him. Did you hear me? I'm a talkback sort of preacher. So I got a 45-minute sermon and I got a 20-minute sermon. Give me some amens and we can get the Crackle Barrel quicker. You with me? All right, all right, I'm just letting you know what the deal is, okay? So, like I said, God wants everybody on this planet to know about him. Why? Um, It's not because he's some sort of mystical being that requires the love of his people like some sort of uh, cosmic Frosty the Snowman or something, right? All right, somebody laugh. I said pause for laughter right here, and I assumed somebody would laugh. And if all of you who don't, I will remember you, okay? But yes, yes, at this moment, he doesn't need or require our praise or our love and our thoughts, right? God was the creator God prior to creating us, amen? But the truth is, when you truly know that Christ loves you and that you're his, everything changes. Everything Changes. I say it again for the people in the middle. When you truly know that Christ loves you and that you're his, everything changes. And this is why I believe it is at the end of the story, right before he goes up to the throne, that he gives us this ultimate mission of carrying the gospel throughout the nations. So, as individuals, how do we go about doing this? I'm going to be completely real with you all. I don't go around introducing myself as Eric the Christian. Um, I think it's weird. Uh, For first reason, uh, if somebody did that to me, I wouldn't know how to respond. Usually it'll be like, oh, okay. Or it'll be like, oh, uh, okay, sure, right? And there's no way to come back after that. That conversation is efficiently over. So I wouldn't suggest doing that. But I will say there will be times at work, at home, in your community where there'll be openings for the gospel. You've experienced them. You've had that moment when you're like, mm, should I talk about Jesus right here? What are they going to think about me? I've done it many times. Uh, there have been something going on. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Jesus is, would be great right now for this conversation. And then you don't say anything because you're going to feel weird about it. And people are going to be like, oh, Eric, why are you always talking about Jesus? We're talking about sports. You know, and I'm like, well, Jesus likes sports. He's an Alabama fan, right? I had to do it. I had to do it. You make it so easy. You get so riled up. Um, but yeah, he, he really gives you opportunities to have moments and really gives you those moments for you to make sure that the gospel is known to everybody. So with that said, in addition, for people who are bosses 
have higher positions, um, who have different sort of channels for work. This is done. He's elevated you for the reason of sharing the gospel. Your Bible says that your gifts will make room for you, right? It does, I promise. It says your gifts will make room for you. And the room is for you to share the gospel, not just for you to be a great decorator or a great teacher or a great preacher or a great doctor for the sake of being good at it, right? It's not for your own glory and for your own praise. God has elevated you because he trusts you to share the gospel when you have those moments. I mean, we have a living in a society that has legal laws, well, that's redundant, that has laws and has a bunch of other things that make it somewhat hard sometimes. But when you have those moments, the Holy Spirit will let you know. So let me help you. The next time you have questions about whether you should put Jesus in the conversation, yes. Every time the answer is yes, because that's the Holy Spirit doing a work for you, okay? So with that said, um, like I said, my father... Well, you don't know my father, but my dad, he's probably watching. Love you, pops. You know, um, but he worked for the Department of Defense for 34 years. I hope he's not watching now. Um, 30 odd years. And, um, and he was uh, he did a Bible study every morning before he went out to work. Why? Because he always said that he had missions at work that he needed to accomplish. But his biggest mission was sharing the gospel. And you've never met my father, and my wife can attest to this. He is a sweet man, but he has a quick fuse. So he had to read the Bible every morning just to make sure that the love was there for any sort of shenanigans people had coming his way. Amen. And I think that might be helpful for some of y'all, some of y'all who may have some issues in your workplace, somebody who's trying you every day, somebody at school who always got something to say. I would suggest doing a Bible study in the morning and getting your heart prepared for shenanigans, because this is the world that we live in. People will always make it hard to love them. That's the truth. Here we are today. With that, I will continue to say that you need to make a consistent effort to love people. That's what that's about, making a consistent effort to love people. Why? Because God made a consistent effort to love you. He did. God had reckless abandoning and finding you when you're in your worst places in life. I know for me, I've sinned a bunch in my life, and um, I always knew God was around, you know. But it wasn't until he really got a hold of me uh, that I really understood that he's been seeking me the entire time. And then after I got saved, he gave me a mission to go out and share the gospel. So with that, when I was in college, I had the idea from my phenomenal mother-in-law uh, that she puts scriptures around the house. And uh, I was just dating her daughter at the time. She wasn't my mother-in-law. She was just this sweet religious lady. Um, but when I found out she did that sort of thing, I was like, that's really interesting. So what I did was I taped the quote, make your election sure, make your election sure to the front of my front door, to the inside part of my front door. So I had to read it every morning in preparation for the day's journey and whatever trials I had. And this potential quote, this particular quote can be found in Second Peter chapter 1. 
And Peter is pretty much just giving a list of attributes that every Christian needs to acquire to make sure that their mission is completely fulfilled throughout their life. And you're welcome because I'm going to read it for you. So in it, he writes, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, confirming one's calling and election. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in divine nature, having escaped corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Listen up right here. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind for forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So do me a favor, bookmark this, go back home and read the different attributes because Paul is pretty much telling you, you'll need these things in one way or another or at one point in time or another to make sure that your mission um, is done the way that it needs to be done. It's not only good for you, but it's also amazing for your relationships. And as I said earlier, your relationships, well, your discipleship will require a relationship. You can't have one without the other. You can't disciple somebody without having a relationship with somebody. So how do we do this as a church? How do we do this as a church? The first way we do this is we are willing to love those who have deemed, been deemed unlovable, unlovable and not worth the effect, worth the effort, excuse me. We do this by being willing to love those that have been deemed unlovable and not worth the effort. We use our resources to love God's people. There are a lot of people in a lot of situations um, where people have felt unlovable because society has told them so. And we need to be the ones to bridge that gap and provide the healing that only the love of Christ can allow. Amen? Amen. So, uh, for example, this Wednesday night we had a vertical youth service, as we always do, and it was graced by the presence of Mrs. Jody and Miss Bonnie. And if you don't know them, they are the leaders of the My Brothers Ministry. Um, It's a phenomenal ministry that shows us the love of Christ to people who are incarcerated. Um, It's really important because a lot of times inmates aren't given the opportunity to, or the, um, the love required for just human flourishing. Um, In truth, very, um, very seldomly do people come and visit them um, unless you're a really good about making sure that you're um, going to visit your family and friends. But most of the time, these people are forgotten. 
These people aren't told that Christ loves you. People don't understand that the gospel is for them also. These people don't understand a lot of times that they can still be uh, great people and still have a phenomenal life in Jesus Christ. So what do they do? They write letters. They write letters to let them know this. They let them know that you may have sinned in the past, but God can still save your future. God can still save your future. Not only that, that your sins with Christ will be forgotten as far as east is from west. That there is a God out there who is still searching for you, who's still recklessly moving things around, who will move heaven and earth to be with you and to love you. They don't hear that. And these ladies have taken, and gentlemen, have taken it upon themselves to write to them that the creator of the universe still has you in mind. And this is one of our in my opinion, one of our strongest ministries. And it's a blessing that this church even has something like this. We also have ministries to help the homeless. We have 11 buttons or people who uh, need uh, clothes for job interviews or who people who just are on the side of the streets and maybe need something will come into our ministry and they will get clothes. What's interesting is a lot of the times we separate ourselves from people because we don't want to see or don't want to put ourselves emotionally in what they're going through. But the truth of the matter is, if it had not been for the grace of God, a lot of us could have been out homeless as well. You hear me? There's a lot of people who would be out homeless if it was not for the grace of God. So don't look past people or look down on people in that way. What we need to be doing is the things that Loving Buttons is doing as well as the My Brother's Ministry is loving people who are obviously um, extracited by society. The next way, um, the next way is that we be the church that not only welcomes people, but also meets people where they are. Also meets people where they are. Um, one of the issues we've talked about in the seminary a lot of times is that churches have the idea that people are still just coming into the church in drones as they did in the 50s and 60s every Sunday morning because they have this sort of religious understanding. It's really not that way that much anymore. So we have, as a church, need to change our methodology. We need to go out into the community and have our faces seen. We need to invite people here, obviously, but we also need to go meet them where they are. One of my favorite quotes is by A.A. Millen. Does anybody know who that is? Winnie the Pooh. Anybody know who Winnie the Pooh is? Yes. Well, he's a phenomenal, cuddly, cuddly bear, and he's super sweet, and he doesn't wear any pants, and he loves honey. And his quote is at the bottom of my email. It says, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You got to go to them sometimes. And that's the truth. Sometimes you got to go to them. And we will always be here with open arms. We will always be here to love. But we also need to make sure that we are going out in our community and letting them know that the love of Christ is not only at Palmetto, but it's where you are. Amen. So, this lastly, the last thing I have to say is that we as a church do this. We show the love of Christ and we do uh, the gospel on Sunday mornings as well as Wednesday nights. And we do this by preaching and teaching the word of God. Preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are loved by a God with reckless abandon who will move everything to get to you. You are the lost sheep. You may have been the lost coin that the lady is searching for or whatever it is. God is desperately panting, wanting 
you here with him. And that is our mission as a church. So if you don't mind, I want you to listen really closely. Somebody could come up and provide me with some uh, really spiritual sounding music. That would be great for this moment. Thank you so much. So I want to tell you, all of you here at Palmetto, that God chose you to be here at this time for a reason. It is not a haphazard. It is not an accident. It is no sort of issues going on here. God chose you to live in 2019 because he has something for you to do here. You may be the answer to somebody's salvation. Your mission may be saving a country, may be saving the world, may be saving your community, your cul-de-sac, or whatever it may be. God created you to minister here. God put you here at whatever age you are, at whatever ability you may be at. You may be an example for somebody. You may be loving them um, via social media or whatever it is, or via Upward. I saw the Crawfords via Upward, or whatever ministry we have here. God has called you to do this good work, this amazing work. And you're here for a reason, because if not, right when you were saved, he could have snatched you up. He said, I got you now, it's time to go home. But he said, no, there's still something I need for you to do. I still need for you to go tell the people about me. Because the same way you feel now, I want everybody else to feel. I want everybody to know that they're loved, that they're mine, that I love them with an undying love. The Bible says not heaven, not hell, not powers or principalities or anything can separate us from the unending, undying, reckless love of God. And it's amazing to be here and to be in the service of Christ. I love you all. I praise you. And I thank God for this time with you. But I want you to remember it's amazing that our church has annual missions, that we do all these amazing ministries. But you all have your own missions. You all have your own work to do. It sounds daunting. It sounds like work. And guess what it is? It is. Jesus says you have to carry your own cross. The good news is, the good news is, Jesus will be there with you. He says you have to carry it, but it will be by your power that it's sustained by the power of our Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit who is working on our behalf, who's always here with us, who lives on the inside of us, doing a great work until the completion of our Father in time. You are important, you're necessary, you're loved, and you have work to do. Amen? Amen. So with that, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to stir up that fire that's on the inside of us. Um, if there's anybody who wants to come to the altar to pray, I would suggest taking this as an invitation. Um, there's nothing you've done in the past, nothing you can do that'll separate you from the love of Christ. He loves you, so do we. If you need anything, we're here. If you need to pray, we're here. If you need somebody to hold you, we're here. If you need somebody to touch you, we're here. We love you. But take this as our invitation. And we thank you so much for being a part of this church and a part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. <clears throat> we thank you for what you've done on our behalf. We thank you 
that you've loved us. You said that you'll be with us from now on, even until the end of the age. We thank you that you are with our grandmothers, that you are with our children, that you're with our grandchildren. We thank you that you've never forgotten about us. We thank you that you've seen us in our worst and still chose us. We thank you that you are the God of a billion galaxies and a hundred million animals and billions of people and you still see value in us. That you would leave everything behind, everything you've created, everything you've thought about to make sure that you knew, that we knew that you loved us. We thank you for this. We thank you for your unconditional love, for your truth, for your power, for your peace. We ask you right now to enable us and equip us to set a fire on the inside of us to do your work, to do it in our classrooms, to do it in our offices, to do it in our private practices. We ask you right now to help us unlock the key to whatever mission you have inside of us and to do whatever it is you call us to do. We thank you that you have given us a recipe of things that we need to add to our lives. We thank you that you would not allow us to be um, blind to anything that you would have for us or be ignorant to anything that you would have for us to do. We praise you for an all-knowing God who's willing to come get us and who has sent us out to do the same work. Fishers of men and women. And we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.